Welcome to the Archives of Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Our guest in this program is Dr. David Kiersey, the author of Presidential Temperament. Dr. Kiersey took the Myers-Briggs temperament inventories and developed what has come to be known as the Kiersey Temperament Sorter to establish and identify character and temperament personality types. In his other book, Please Understand Me, the reader may take the Kiersey Temperament Sorter test and get an idea of his or her personality and temperament styles. Using his method, history, and experience, Dr. Kiersey has examined the people who have become a president of the United States and presents his analysis in Presidential Temperaments. In this program, originally broadcast in November of 1993, when Radio Curious was called Government Politics and Ideas, we talk about Presidential Temperament and the temperaments of some of the former United States presidents and how they have participated in our history. They, the temperaments, they, the presidents. Dr. David Kiersey, welcome to Government Politics and Ideas. Oh, thank you. Glad to be aboard. Thanks for being with us this evening. In your book, Presidential Temperaments, uh, you seek to demonstrate the power of temperament and character to explain events. Uh, Can you give a little bit of background about how you developed the book? Well, I suppose I ought to start with uh, the theory, uh, temperament theory. Uh, First of all, it's uh, very, very old. It's uh, over 2,000 years old. Uh, An idea of Hippocrates uh, said there are four kinds of people, four temperaments, the inborn uh, that develop into four characters. And what uh, I and my uh, partner, Ray Chonier, did is to... Uh, try to, as you said, uh, demonstrate the power of this Hippocratian theory uh, to explain uh, situations and events. And we just we decided to study the four presidents, 40 presidents, and uh, figure out what kind of character each of them had, and then uh, look at their lives, not just their political lives, but their whole lives, and uh, and uh, use temperament theory to explain what they actually did. Um, Well, maybe in tonight's talk we could um, identify some of the presidents and use that as a uh, departure point to explain your temperament theory. We were talking earlier about uh, the group that you call the Rationals. uh Um, Could you tell us about the Rationals and who some of the presidents were and what that temperament characteristic is? Okay, first... um what 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 is the pattern of their behavior? Uh, they're in their general outlook. They're skeptical, and they're the pragmatists. They uh, they uh, are proud of their competencies. They respect themselves in the in their uh, in the degree that they're autonomous, and they are self confident in the degree that they're efficient. Um, they look for puzzles to solve. They're uh, they need to achieve. They uh, want to be knowledgeable. They're the logical ones. Probably the most important thing to understand about the rationals uh, is that is the kind of ability they have. They are the strategists. They are interested in the sciences and technologies, and uh, 
in systems. And who analysis is their forte? Who are the rationals who have been president? Well, of the forty presidents, um, we uh, we found only eight, and uh, four of those, uh, the two Adamses, John and John Quincy, and uh, Madison and Jefferson, were the founding fathers. Uh, so that the other four were uh, few and far between. Uh, for uh, the, the the two during the uh, 19th century were uh, Lincoln and Grant, and the two the only two in the 20th century were uh, Hoover and Eisenhower. So that um, once the nation was founded, the uh, Rationals sort of disappeared. They really aren't interested in government or in politics. They're mainly interested in science and technology. So it's understandable that uh, who, after the founding fathers designed the nation, uh, the only time we ever got uh, more rationals in office was Commanding generals, and I mean commanding generals, uh, generals of the army, not uh, just generals of uh, brigades or divisions. Well, we have two of them, uh, Eisenhower and Grant. Uh, can you tell us about the comparisons and the differences between those two presidents? Uh, very little difference. Uh, they were both strategic geniuses. Uh, Grant, with uh, considerable help from Lincoln, uh, won the Civil War single-handedly because of his strategic genius. Uh, Eisenhower, uh, also a strategic genius, was uh, elevated to his command during uh, World War II by Marshall, George Marshall, another rational, by the way, um, precisely because he was so... Uh, uh, far-seeing, uh, and his his strategy was worldwide, whereas other uh, generals who were not of that same caliber, the, the two of them um, acted very much alike even when they became presidents. So that is to say, they saw the presidency not as uh, a legislative job, but as an executive job, and so when they became presidents, they looked rather lackluster because their job, they said, and they believed firmly, was to execute the laws of the nation that were enacted by the legislature. They didn't see their job as uh, doing anything other than, than uh, executing the laws. They were executives, and that's, they had what, that's what they had been as uh, commanders of armies, and they did the same thing when they became uh, presidents. Let's uh, talk for a minute about uh, the one of the other groups that you call uh, the artisans. Mm -hmm. And we've identified, or you have identified in that group, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton uh, as more current 20th, 20th century presidents. Tell us a little bit about their character and temperament makeup. Okay. Uh, the uh, artisan is, uh, in a sense, uh, like the rational in, in that uh, they, they're interested in getting things done uh, any old way that you can do it. 
they are not as, as uh, let's say, not as moralistic as the guardians and idealists, which we will discuss down the line. Uh, but these uh, people are the eternal optimists. They're uh, hedonists, meaning they uh, they like to have fun. They can be cynical. They're very competitive, very daring, uh, confident of themselves when they're effective, uh, very adventurous. Uh, they, they like to impress people. Uh, they believe in luck. They uh, enjoy uh, being excited much more than the other types. They're impulsive, make good hunters, uh, aspire well, to be virtuosos. Let's be uh, president-specific here, if we can. And well, let, me, let me say something more about the most important thing about them is their ability, which is tactical instead of <clears throat> strategic. Uh, there's a very important distinction between uh, tactics and strategy. Uh, for example, you see the difference between tactics and strategy in comparing Grant as a strategist with Lee uh, as a tactician and the uh, corresponding results. So the most important thing to understand about artisans is that they are tactically intelligent, and that has made an enormous difference in their uh, presidential conduct. Now, you were asking me about who? Yeah, well, I thought we could be presidential specific here and uh, talk about some of the specifics in in the artisan presidents. Uh, but the both Roosevelt's, uh, Kennedy, Johnson, Reagan. Yeah. Well, let me say first uh, that we've had uh, 12 of them. The first one was Andy Jackson, a very famous uh, man who had over 100 duels, and he survived them all. Uh, and um, Garfield, a great speaker. Uh, but uh, the two Roosevelts, John Kennedy and, and Lyndon Johnson, are probably more interesting to people nowadays and, of course, Reagan, uh, so that in the 20th century, we've had Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, John Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, and Ronald Reagan, and now uh, Clinton. Clinton, in my view, and I've been watching him uh, ever since he started running for, presidents, for, for a presidency, uh, I was ambivalent about whether he was more, more like Reagan or more like uh, Kennedy. But uh, recently, watching him very carefully, watching his gestures, watching the way he talks, I uh, believe firmly now that he is cut from the same cloth as John Kennedy, Franklin Roosevelt, and Teddy Roosevelt, and Lyndon Johnson. He is a fox, very, very clever, very articulate very brilliant tactician, uh, not a strategist, not a moralist. Let's talk for a minute about what you look at when you observe someone like Bill Clinton and come to the conclusions that you just gave us. Well, as a tactician, 
the, the tactician is, uh, is a person who looks for opportunities. He's an opportunist. Um, and Bill Clinton uh, is very, very conscious of what is going on right now and uh, is not, it does, does not seem terribly concerned about what will happen 10 years from now or what will happen abroad. Um, and when I look at a person, any person, uh, I listen to what he says and how he says it. And if you uh, care to watch Bill Clinton perform, you'll notice, uh, first of all, he is a, an extremely able performer, just like uh, Ronald Reagan. Uh, and you will notice something else about his... Um, his rhetoric and his gestures. Uh, he has exactly the same gestures as John Kennedy does. For example, he uses the uh, uh, the index finger, and he puts his thumb against his index finger and, and sort of pecks at the audience. Uh, remember uh, Kennedy's speech, uh, ask not what uh, you can get from your country, but what you can give your country, something like that. He had that index finger out there sort of pecking it. <laughs> and um, he also used the artisan fist uh, to make a point. Uh, I really can't get into the kind of language uh, that the artisans use. That's very, very complicated, but it is quite distinctive. The way artisans talk is very, very different from the way guardians talk and the way rationals talk. It's very, uh, it's, uh, what's the word, uh, very descriptive, uh, colorful uh, language. Um, lots of metaphors, uh, concrete metaphors, though. Uh, I look for concreteness in artisans, rather than the abstractness that you see in the rationals. Let me take a moment here and uh, say that my guest is Dr. David Kersey, the author of a recently published book called Presidential Temperament, as well as the author of a book entitled Please Understand Me that has sold well over a million copies that help the reader to understand uh, individual character and temperament. You're listening to Government Politics and Ideas, and my name is Barry Vogel. David Kersey, uh, tell us a little bit about the Guardian temperament, uh, Washington and Truman, and how that affects their, the well-being of, of our nation. Uh, yes, the, the Guardians uh, stand guard. They guard um, against uh, people doing things they shouldn't, and they stand guard over people's needs. And, uh, of course, the most famous one was George Washington, the father of our nation, who uh, was at one time a general, um, really saved us from the British, owing to his guardian-like uh, generalship, which amounted to keeping his army together and staying out of battles. If he had gotten, gone to battle like an artisan, uh, we would not be this nation now, but he... He, he really uh, saved our nations by the way he acted as a general and by the way he acted as uh, president. He sat in um, 
sat, he oversee, oversaw the dispute, disputes of the, those uh, hot-headed rationals who were trying to design the nation. I'm talking about the Adamses and uh, Hamilton and Jefferson and Madison. Anyway, these people stand guard, and that's why I call them guardians. Uh, half of our presidents were guardians. That's 20 of them from George Washington to George Bush. And um, what are they like? Well, they're uh, pessimistic instead of optimistic, stoic. Um, their abilities are uh, logistical. That is, they know how and seek to learn how to uh, get the right supplies, uh, to the right people at the right time and place. That's what logistics is. And they're very good with regulations, standards, and the maintenance. Uh, so I don't think it's a surprise that half of our presidents would be like that. Um, you ask about... Let, let me ask you something here about um, half of the presidents being guardians. Is half of the population also a guardian? Close to it. I figure about at least 45% of the uh, population are guardians. And the other, oh, say uh, 40% are artisans. That leaves only... 15% for the, the abstract people, like the uh, idealists and rationals. When we trace um, the background... The guardians before yeah. we leave them, though, it's, uh, I think, very important. Um, Washington established the nation. Um, it's true that... Um, Jefferson uh, bought the northwest part of the nation, but it's also true, and this may not be understood by many, that, J that Polk, who was a guardian, just like Washington and Truman, um, provoked the uh, Mexicans, Mexican government into attacking uh, America on the border. And of course then, then conquered uh, Mexico, and uh, res the result was that he uh, annexed the entire Southwest. Texas, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, California, I mean, a huge, huge, a, a quarter of our nation was uh, gotten by a guardian. And, uh, and this is a very important thing, that, that uh, uh, it took a guardian to uh, make our nation about twice as big as it was. Well, are you uh, indicating that that's unusual behavior for a guardian? No, no, no. Uh, acquisition of territory is, is the usual behavior of guardians. See, even McKinley, another guardian, uh, was responsible for annexing uh, the Philippines, Hawaii, uh, Cuba, Puerto Rico, Guam, so we got our island uh, possessions uh, by dint of the efforts uh, of another guardian. Guardians are very acquisitive. They, they, uh, as uh, property is very important to them. When uh, Washington was a millionaire, 
uh, owing to his acquisitions of enormous tracts of land. When we trace uh, the origins of temperament and character, do you find it to be uh, genetic or sociological and environmental? Well, I believe that it's that temperament is genetic. The temperament is what we're born with. That's our body, uh, our constitution. Um, but that constitution of that body, that uh, that configuration of, of uh, physique and inclination, uh, has to be reared in a social environment. And it's when our temperament. Um, comes up against a social environment that we develop what I call character. Character is a pattern of habits, a lifelong pattern of habits. But you, you aren't born with your habits. You have to get those uh, interacting with uh, your family and friends and uh, neighbors and en enemies and bosses and so on. So temperament you're born with, character you acquire by behaving in a social environment. Dr. Kirzian, taking um, your background as a psychologist who has studied character and temperament, it seems like it's an enormous project to uh, move into the realm of history. Uh, why is this something that you wanted to do? Uh, it's, uh, it's a challenge to uh, give a reasonable or rational account of human conduct in um, in real world, in the real world. For example, I'm uh, contemplating right now writing a book with my partner, Chonier, on the uh, uh, on uh, general, the generalship and the generals of the Civil War, explaining uh, how that war was conducted uh, and entirely determined, in my view, by the character of the generals that ended up with uh, armies and corps and regiments and divisions and battalions and so on. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, why did I do it? Well, I, I like to demonstrate the power of the idea that there are four kinds of people. In doing, in preparing this book, did did you um, place any limits on your work, editorial or political, uh, of that nature? I don't know what you mean. Uh, well, when you were uh, gathering the the final copy and, and and creating the final copy for presidential temperaments, um, what kind of limits, if any, did you place on what you prepared? Um. Well, if you mean, did, uh, did we worry about uh, differences in political persuasion, yes, we worried a lot because of the different political persuasions. Those people who are, are heavily persuaded in one direction, say, toward equality rather than freedom, <clears throat> When they uh, attack, uh, they will attack uh, a, a libertarian or a freedom-oriented uh, president viciously and cut him to shreds, and vice versa. People with different uh, persuasions, liberal or conservative, egalitarian or individualist, 
have, there are hundreds of books which just cut the poor presidents to little pieces, and they're called everything in imaginable, crooks and uh, savages and so on, and we try to steer clear of that, the, the enormous bias that exists in uh, oh, hun- literally hundreds of books on, uh, on the presidents. Uh, it just, well, that, that was the limitation that we put on. We tried to, to uh, be as nice as we could in depicting these people. They're good people, they're, they're able people, they're, in most cases, very competent and very conscientious. I've um, tried to characterize your other well-known book, Please Understand Me, and I wonder if you could add in a minute or so a little bit about that book and um, why it's uh, so interesting to so many readers. I think the major reason um, that it interests so many people uh, is that it's positive all positive. It says everybody's okay, everybody uh, has certain kinds of abilities that the others have less of. Everybody uh, is um, useful to society if they find their niche. Uh, And most of all, it helps uh, spouses understand each other so that they don't engage in what I call the Pygmalion Project. The Pygmalion Project is that uh, undertaking which uh, mates engage in when they get married. Uh, Each of them takes the marriage license as a license to reshape their spouse into their own image. That's what Pygmalion did. Remember the movie, My Fair Lady? That's what Henry Higgins did to uh, uh, Liza Doolittle. Uh, And I think that the major uh, power of the book is to say to mates and to parents, don't try to chisel your offspring or your mate into your own own image. You won't like the result if you get it, uh, but you're not going to get it. All you're going to do is antagonize and irritate your mate and uh, uh, the results are awful. Dr. Kearsey, I think that that book is a uh, program in itself, but before we close in the remaining uh, 60 seconds that we have, I'd like to ask you the question I always like to close with, and that is, have you read any interesting books lately? (laughs) Sure. I, I have about a dozen books everywhere strewn around me, and I pick up one and read for a while. Uh, I, uh, yesterday I finished a book uh, titled The Killer Angels, which is what the book, the movie uh, Gettysburg was uh, founded on. Fascinating book. Uh, of course, my favorite books are the Hornblower series, uh, about Horatio Hornblower uh, and his and his escapades as a captain in the uh, British Navy during the Napoleonic Wars. Well, Dr. David Kearsey, I want to thank you very much uh, for being with us here on Government, Politics, and Ideas. Well, thank you for the opportunity. 
Dr. David Kiersey is the author of Presidential Temperament and Please Understand Me. The books he recommends are The Killer Angels by Michael Schirra and the Hornblower series by Horatio Hornblower. There are over 750 archives on our website, radiocurious.org, and I'm honored to tell you that Radio Curious is now part of the collection at the Library of Congress. We appreciate your cards, ideas, and letters, and do enjoy hearing from you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. The postal address is 700 West Smith Street, Ukiah, California, 95482. The phone is 707-621-5075. Ignacio Ayala is the assistant producer. I'm host and producer, Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.